Bellissimo Files, home to the world's biggest stars. Get your hands up! Live on your radio. And you can check us out on your socials. <laughs> your favorite person, Serena. Serena! Good morning, how's it going? You're probably all waking up with a smile on your face this morning. I know I did. It was so good to finally tune in to a T-Shocks message and get some great news. Town, I'd say tonight, is going to be buzzing. Well, to get you ready to go into town uh, this weekend, we've got a fabulous show to get your, your weekend started. On today's show, I'm going to be catching up with Sigrid and Griff. They're going to be talking new music and why Ireland is one of their all-time favourite places to gig. The cast of Too Hot to Handle are going to be talking about breaking the rules. I'll also be catching up with Kieran Hines and Jude to find out all about their brilliant new film, Belfast, and up next, I'm going to introduce you to Lisa Murray. This week's one to watch fell in love with music at just seven when she first started playing the piano. She studied music at Trinity College and Berklee College in Boston. She's a singer-songwriter who takes pride in producing her music from beginning to end. And this week, she released her latest track, I Unfollowed You. It is Lisa Murray. Lisa, congratulations on the new track. Thank you so much and thanks for having me on. What made you want to play piano at seven? I feel like it was just always something I was drawn to. I come from a really musical family, like all my aunties and uncles all play and I really wanted to start learning music. So I started piano lessons and I just I just took to them and it was my favourite thing to do. Whenever I was not wanting to do my homework or not wanting to go outside, I was at the piano just playing and I even started writing when I was like 11 and taking up other instruments. As soon as I had the foundations of piano, I wanted to teach myself guitar, I wanted to teach myself ukulele and I just kept going. And so then there was no way that after school you weren't going on to study music. What was it like studying music at Trinity? Because some people find that when they are out there studying something that they absolutely love, it goes one of two ways. They either get more into it or it puts them off when they're learning. Does that make sense? I was like that when I when I got to Trinity. I had spent like all my adolescence, adolescent years thinking, I'm a musician, I love music, I love performing, I'd done lots of theatre. I got to Trinity and I was for the first time grouped with all people who were all musicians who all did and had the same passion that I had. Yeah. You kind of get this feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not a musician. Like, maybe I'll just be quiet and sit at the back and this kind of thing. And it is it is that kind of imposter syndrome that you get. And not like the same at Berkeley because everybody at Berkeley is so insanely talented. And you do have that moment where it's like, is this is this my path? Am I doing the right thing? And I finally I just dove in and it was it was great. But it, that is so true. When you start studying things, especially the music course at Trinity was very historical. It was very it's all very rigid, and it is easy to lose your way within such a narrow path within music and wondering, am I even doing the right thing? So how did you make sure you didn't lose your path? Yeah, I feel I just kept performing. I just kept getting involved with things outside the classroom that were more kind of creatively stimulating. Like I worked, I was in an a cappella group when I was in Trinity and just all those things really helped me keep the fun aspects of music alive while I was studying the very rigid. And and then when I pivoted into music tech as my major, that's when I really fell in love with music again. And that's what encouraged me then to go on to do my master's at Berkeley in music production. Yeah, I, I love the way that you just drop, you know, 
I, I went to Berkeley like it was not a big deal. <laughs> this is a big deal. How did you get your place in Berkeley? It was crazy. You, you know, when you look back on something that you did and you think to yourself, how did I have the confidence to <laughs> for that? But it felt like it, it, second nature to me when I saw that they had, I was looking for opportunities for After Trinity to pursue music production further. And I started looking for opportunities specifically for women because I know that women are very underrepresented in that field. And I found that Berkeley had an outstanding woman scholarship for this specific master's program. And some part of my body said, you know what, I'm an outstanding woman. I'm going to apply for this program and, and like apply for this scholarship. And then I got it, which was insane because Berkeley is not cheap. <laughs> so if I hadn't gotten that scholarship, I would not have been able to afford to go. I just saw it and I went for it and it just happened. It just worked out, which was hilarious. <laughs> That's fantastic. And how has that helped you in creating your music? It's the most empowering and liberating thing ever to be able to work on a song idea all the way to its release. That's something that I struggled with when I was writing songs first was I can't get my ideas down. I, I don't know exactly how to create this vocal effect that I want to do. How do I record? How do I do this? And always feeling like I needed to rely on other people to, to bring a song to life. And that can get things can get lost in translation with your creative vision when you are working with so many different people and like a production process and so it's been amazing like being able to just work on everything i create everything like here in my home studio i record all my vocals i do all my programming i do all my mixing like all in the one spot which is like amazing not only just creatively for me but also in terms of like cost effectiveness and making sure that i can just keep creating well you have just created and released i unfollowed you tell me about this i love the concept of this song <laughs> yeah the song is i would call it like a, a cheeky bop <laughs> it's, it was inspired by a conversation i had with my childhood best friend during the pandemic we hadn't seen each other for a couple of months and we were sitting outside at a fire pit in the summer and we were just talking and she showed me that you can go on instagram you can go and you can see a list of everybody you've muted on instagram which is a hilarious feature when one I, I i take a lot of use from <laughs> <laughs> which i think everybody does i think everyone does and it was just a really funny conversation and the next day i woke up and i just had this whole song concept in my head about unfollowing somebody on social media after you've broken up and they've started to like show their new squeeze off online and everything and anyone i played it to has just think just thinks it's great and hilarious and they're like oh my god it sparks conversations like i unfollowed this person you know that i don't follow him anymore you know that she unfollowed me it is a fun song um but this is just the beginning for 2022 are you planning on putting out any other music this year yeah i've been working on loads of music and i'm feeling very fresh and very ready for 2022 and i'm going to be putting out lots and lots of stuff over the year if people want to find out what you put out and when you're putting it out give us your socials so they can actually follow and not unfollow you <laughs> yeah my socials are all at lisa with the fringe i'm on radio so you can't tell but i've got a fringe <laughs> brilliant well lisa good luck with everything thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me on before i let you go will you introduce your track for us yes of course hi i'm lisa murray and this is my new single i unfollowed you on the bellissimo files 3am late night feeling alone it's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. During the week, I think it was on Wednesday, Too Hot to Handle dropped on Netflix. Season three is now available and you'd think going into season three, contestants would know what to expect. 
But no, this is too hot to handle. So, of course, there was a twist. Contestants thought they were going to a place called Pleasure Island. So what was their reaction when they found out that they instead were at a retreat for Too Hot to Handle? Well, I caught up with three of the cast, Georgia, Harry and Nathan, to find out. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good, you? How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Georgia, how does it feel to be going from Georgia from Brisbane to Georgia from Too Hot to Handle? Insane. I'm from a very small area. I feel like I know everyone where I live and this is just blowing my mind a little bit. It's not the only time in the process that any of your minds have been blown. Nathan, you originally signed up for something called Pleasure Island. First thing I want to know before we talk about Pleasure Island is... How do you even find out about these things? Like, nobody knew about this show, but you found out about it and you applied. Like, how does it hit your radar? It was so weird. Like, it was in the midst of COVID. Like, uh, I was doing my degree. And then the one day I get, like, an Instagram DM from some person. They're like, do you want to come away on holiday? And I'm like, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> so, yeah, the story, the story kind of developed into that. So um, I guess that's why we're here right now talking to you. So, Harry, you get this message going, do you want to come on a holiday? The holiday's entitled Pleasure Island. You're really excited. You get there and your first thoughts, before you hear anything about it not being Pleasure Island, what are your first thoughts? Are you nervous? Yeah, obviously, because before we, like, went into the retreat, like there's a lot of waiting around and like there's a certain orders that people go in and stuff. And obviously you're worried about what you look like and what other people are going to look like. So it's a bit, and like we come in in pairs and they're like, don't speak to your partner. So you kind of look at this completely <laughs> strange and thinking like, where are you from? Because I can't ask you until we like get out to the beach. Georgia, what's that moment like? Because, you know, you see all those close-ups, those, you know, really slow-mo walk onto the beach and to the retreat. Is that awkward at, at all? It's so awkward because, you know, when you're filming it, there's just no noise. It's just silence. You're doing all this stuff and it's just quiet. It's like you can hear crickets in the background. Oh, my God. And you're just like, get me through this scene so it's done. Nathan, you're there. You've gotten through the scene. You think you know what you're in for. I mean, something called Pleasure Island. You know exactly what you're in for. And then... I would go again. <laughs> Just don't check me. What happens when you find out that, you know, Lana shows up and she's like, there's going to be no pleasure about this island? Never did uh, listen, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few rule breakers in you on this chat. Georgia, you were one of the first. We're not giving away any spoilers here, but, you know, I think it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes into the first episode and there's Georgia <laughs> breaking the rules. You actually said when Lana says to you, this isn't Pleasure Island. You're just like, yeah, no, I don't care about the money. I'm here to have fun. Were you ever worried, though? Because, I mean, it's not just your money. You know what? It was false advertising. So I feel like I had every <laughs> right. <laughs> I had every right to do what I intended to do when I went there. I just had fun, you know, and I did feel bad after because it was very fast, um, obviously, when I broke the rule. But you know what? It opened the doors and everyone else... Broke some rules too. We had this motto of like, we had no money to begin with. So exactly. we came in with like no intention of getting any money. So everyone was just kind of on a free throw to start with, <laughs> especially like at the beginning. How long, Nathan, were you actually there for? Well, we had to obviously quarantine before we shot, right? So uh, I think we were there for like over a month. So when I say we really soaked it in, it was 
unreal. It was definitely the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Like when they told me I was going there, I was like, "Where's that?" <laughs> that <was> crazy. <laughs> Google Maps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that still didn't come up. <laughs> Nathan, Lana was there to teach you lessons. She was there yeah. to teach you how to make deeper connections in relationships. Have you changed after Too Hot to Handle? Have you learned any lessons? No, hundred percent. I've learned lessons. I um, thought you said, I no, think... I haven't. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. All right, guys, give, give me a chance. Give me a chance. No, I think um, I definitely went in there, like, being myself and just reflecting. Now I'm definitely a different person. I've definitely changed. I'm, I've definitely got more time for somebody, especially from an emotional point of view, just to understand, get to know. I think I was way too attracted to the physical side, just from parents. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've added a couple of layers in my personality, that's for sure. And finally, you can all answer this at the same time. Would you do Not Pleasure Island if someone came to you and said you're up for too hot to handle, knowing what you know now, would you do it again? I would, yes. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Harry, yes, because I would have met these people. Do you know what? I would do it because this time I'd just break every rule. Oh, <laughs> you would, guys. So cool to chat to you. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Too Hot to Handle is streaming on Netflix now. Let's go! The Melissa Files. What to watch. What to watch. It is a fabulous weekend at the cinema. And joining me on the line now to tell us all about it is entertainment.ie's Deidre Malumbi. Dee, it's a great week, isn't it? It's a very good week, yes, and now that cinemas will be able to uh, stay open for longer, there will be more movies to check out than ever before. It's a very exciting time. Yeah, and this is one you should definitely be checking out on the big screen. I'm talking about Belfast. Oh, Belfast is so, so good. We were just (laughs) gushing about how good it is. (laughs) It's so good. And uh, from the very start, before we even say what's going on, Mm -hmm. they had me at 97 minutes. That's the wrong time. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, just everything about this movie is absolutely perfect. Um, so Kenneth Branagh, actually, he penned this as well as directing it, and it's kind of semi-autobiographical, and uh, the whole idea of it is that we're looking at this working-class family and their young son's uh, childhood while he's growing up in the late 60s. It's a very tumultuous time, uh, both for his family and for outside the outside world as well. Let's take a clip. Boss, there's been a touch. They want me to stay on. A permanent job in England. Wanted me to move into management. It's more money. There's a house that goes with it. We get it rent free. With a chance to own it if things go well. A wee bit bigger than what we have here. A room for each of the boys. There's a wee garden too. Are you allowed to play football in that garden, Daddy? I so. Even that clip has me in tears. Um, a clip from Belfast starring Jamie Dornan, Katrina Balfe, Kieran Hines, Dame Judi Dench and an amazing breakout performance from Jude Hill who was the voice of that little boy there. Absolutely. It's a terrific cast. And, you know, I'm really glad that they won. Uh, sorry, they didn't win, but they've been nominated. I hope they win yeah. uh, for the SAG Award for uh, Best Ensemble. And Katrina Belf actually got a nomination herself in there for her performance as Matt. And she is really, really, for me, she was the standout. Like, she's just so extraordinarily uh, good in this. If people aren't kind of familiar with her work at this stage, uh, she, she is well worth checking out. But she is brilliant in this. I absolutely adored this film. I found it just such a hug of a yeah. movie. And 
And as well, what I've been saying to people is this is the kind of movie that we need to watch right now. It just feels there's something about this film that's so cathartic in that like you go to it and you're kind of like laughing throughout it. You're crying as well. There's some kind of release when you watch a movie like this. It's just so so gorgeous that way. It's beautiful to look at as well. The black and white cinematography in it. Don't let that put anyone off. It's actually so, so beautifully done. And it's the kind of movie that you can enjoy just at surface level. You get so kind of swept away with um, the characters and the story, or you can kind of get like a bit like artsy-fartsy looking at it for like little symbols and stuff like this. But I just really love this movie. I cannot recommend it enough. And I literally think it's the kind of film that everyone can go see and take something away from it. I think so. And I think as especially um, being from Ireland, it's something Mm -hmm. that everyone can relate to because if you haven't left, you know someone in your family or circle of friends who have. Exactly, exactly. You can relate to it on that level. And then just the story of like this absolutely just gorgeous family. Like I'm I'm getting a bit weepy just thinking about the journey that they go on. It's just such, like I said, on so many levels, it's everyone needs to check out this film, especially like you said, everyone from Ireland. I think think it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm with you. Five? I think I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I'm finding it hard to find any kind of flaws in it. It's just, it's just so thoroughly lovely. <laughs> exactly. I, I totally agree. Please, if you're looking for something to watch at the cinema, definitely check that out. One that I'm really um, intrigued about and definitely want to check out as well is A Journal for Jordan. What's going on in this film, Dee? So this is an interesting one. It's actually directed by uh, Denzel Washington and it's based on a memoir. So it's based on a true story uh, by this woman called uh, Dana Kennedy and how uh, she and the first sergeant, Charles Monroe King, who is played in this film by Michael B. Jordan and her fell in love. They eventually had a son together named Jordan. Now Charles um, served in the American army and he penned a journal for his child full of this kind of worldly advice, um, gives some kind of lessons on love and stuff like that. And he leaves this journal behind when he is tragically killed um, while serving in Iraq. Let's take a clip. Charles, please, I appreciate the manners, but you can't keep walking on the outside of the sidewalk. It's New York. There are too many people. I'm sorry, I just can't help. It's a force of habit. You know what? No, I'm sorry. Thank you. The world needs more gentlemen. Michael B. Jordan being directed by Denzel Washington. That's something I want to say. Oh, absolutely. And Michael B. Jordan is as always just absolutely effortlessly charming and absolutely gorgeous to look at as well. Um, I love him in this film as Shantae Adams. I think she has a terrific career ahead of her. She's brilliant in this. She's just so lovable and relatable and sweet and ever so slightly kind of, you know, dorky as she falls in love with this guy. So it's very kind of sweet and relatable. It's an interesting one because it kind of flashes between, you know, the past and the present. It's mostly told in flashbacks. And I think that the romance and the chemistry definitely do very much work in this and they feel very authentic and not kind of, you're not getting into that ooey gooey, gross, like cheesy romantic <laughs> comedy territory. So ooey, don't worry ooey, if anyone. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the kind of cheesy yeah. romantic comedy yeah. territory. Like, it's much more kind of genuine than that. It is a little long. Now, it is because you were just talking about Belfast's uh, snappy running time. This film does run for over two hours. So, and it's kind of a movie in which, like, not a lot happens and you know what's kind of coming because obviously yep. it flashes between the past and the present but if you're if you're a hopeless romantic and if you're a Michael B. Jordan fan I think you are going to like it but it's it's maybe not as layered as I would have uh, okay. liked it to be but it's a nice enough movie. Exactly and it's still a great week at the cinema. Uh, Deja Malumbi as always thanks a million for that.
Thanks for having me. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. A little earlier on in the show, Deidre Malumbi reviewed Belfast. It's an incredible film. It is a simple story about a working class family living in Belfast in the 1960s, but it is beautiful. And Kieran Hines, who plays the granddad, and Jude Hill, who is a newcomer to this, and he plays the little kid, are outstanding in this film. I loved getting to chat to them about Belfast. Kieran and Jude, wow, what an exquisite and special film you have in Belfast. That's very Thank nice you. to hear. Kieran, I've heard you say that the film opened up huge things in my heart. What did it open up for you? I guess um, memories of a time that were before we've all gone into this kind of technological era that uh, you frantically try to keep up with things. It was a more, uh, I found, a more community-spirited life that time in the 60s, despite the difficult times. And I think that's what Ken has represented in the film, that idea of it's not just at the heart of a family, but it's the heart of the community and how that support, in, especially when, you know, difficult economic times as well, that support that everybody gave. And I think he captured that magnificently. And it just reminded me of, of the spirit and the soul of the people of Belfast. Jude, everyone was incredible in this. But wow, you were <laughs> phenomenal. How does someone who was thinking about going into software engineering end up auditioning for this film, beating out 300 other boys and getting the part? Well, um, it all started off with a single self-tip from my drama teacher and that turned into a lot of callbacks on Zoom. And the last two actually being in real life with Sir Kenneth Branagh. And meeting him was just a dream come true, to be honest. He's just so nice. And you can always sit down and just have a nice chat with him. Jude, how do you keep it together, though, during all those auditions? Well, it was just... Uh, I was thinking of how cool it would be to act in a film at the end. So uh, patience is key. So yeah. I waited out through all of those different callbacks. I got chills throughout the whole film... And then at the end where I was like, okay, I'm a mess. And then the dedication comes up and I have completely lost it. The dedication is for the ones who stayed, for the ones who left and for all those who were lost. Kieran, you left. What was that decision like for you having to leave? And do you ever really leave? Well, we have a feeling in Ireland, you know, you leave. People, people sometimes are desperate to get out of a place where they're born or people leave uh, involuntarily because of circumstances. I mean, I left for the reason I pro probably wouldn't have left, but um, I wanted to train as a theatre actor and there were no theatre schools in Ireland. So I left Ireland, I left Northern Ireland, and I went to, uh, to London. So that, in that way... I wasn't leaving. I was going in a, to a direction that I needed to. But what's, what's interesting is that when we talk about home and people ask you, where's your home? And you could say Battersea or Paris, but that's where the family are. But the home is always where, from where you were born, really. And, that, and that's what, funny enough, keeps uh, tickling us through, certainly me, through my entire life. Jude, goodbyes are tough, especially when um, it's your last day on set. How did you deal with that goodbye? Well, as soon as I arrived on set for the last day, well, I mean, nearly everyone was an emotional wreck. We were all crying and it was just just the idea of it, um, like leaving all of these people that I'd spent so much time with and they've bonded together like a family. It was just, I was bawling my tears out by the end of the day. 
Kieran, how did you feel watching this? And why do you think a film that is so typically Irish has resonated with all of us around the world? I think it resonates because Ken has made it very specific. And I think once you are specific and where you located the story you want to tell, it then in some way it becomes universal because everybody has has a version of that of that life. Uh, depending on oh, wherever they live, there are d- many different versions. And Ken has been at film festivals and and screenings where people from all from from Asia, from Africa, have come to him and said, "That's my story. It's uh, happened to me and my family." different versions of, but more or less the same thing. And that's why, in his specificity, he's actually gone out there and touched in a, in a much more general way. And um, the first time I saw it, I was just, uh, I was working away and they set up a screening for me and I saw it with uh, one other person. And uh, I, I recognised that Ken had made a beautiful film. And then the next time I saw it was with 2,000 people. So the experience, uh, and that's why I would recommend people to go to the cinema to see yeah. because it does genuinely become a collective experience. I mean, you can see that it's a, a well, really well-made film and there's a huge amount of heart in it. But when you sit with other people, strangers that you come in and suddenly you're all, you're all, your hearts are all beating to the same rhythm and you're starting to feel the same thing. And that's what great stories do. They harness us all and, yeah. and, and it shows our own humanity. Just bring a lot of tissues and maybe don't leave straight away. Give yourself some time to compose <laughs> yeah. yourself. But um, that being said, it's quite. There's a lot of fun in it as well, isn't it? There's a lot of humour. It's a beautiful mix. Jude, this is not your final role, is it? We're going to have more of you, yeah. Hopefully, yes. I want to try go down the acting path, and Belfast has led out the path. Now it's up to me to pave it. Cannot <laughs> wait to see where that path takes you. And Kieran can't wait to see what you do next. In the meantime, thank you both. For Belfast, can't go on about it enough. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. How wise is Jude Hill? He's only 11 and he gives an incredible performance in Belfast that is in cinemas now. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. A couple of, I think it was at the end of last year, Sigrid and Griff, they started teasing us on their Instagram by posting photos of themselves. Then they dropped hints of a collaboration. But now, finally, yesterday, they dropped their work in the fabulous form of their brand new single, Head on Fire. I got to catch up with them. Sigrid, Griff, congratulations on the new single. Thank Thank you. you. I absolutely love it. After months of teasing us on Instagram, it is out. Griff, how does it feel to finally have it out there? Oh, so good like I'm really excited to be doing this collab I think sometimes collaborations can feel a bit forced and not right or like the artists really want to do it but like I think the fact that me and Sigrid have a good relationship makes this whole process really exciting. Sigrid can we go back to the very beginning do you remember the first time you and Griff actually met? Yeah so uh, Griff and I we met in London last summer and I remember I was just feeling a bit like you know a bit lonely in London I had been there for a little bit and then we saw each other at this event and I think we we're just really happy to see a friendly face and someone we knew each other a little bit just like from the internet I guess um, yeah and it was super nice and we hung out and then we went to the studio afterwards. Griff how do you go from hanging out to going to the studio afterwards and working on this? Do you know what I don't know often what happens is the manager gods that be kind of control your diary so I'm sure <laughs> our teams were like oh they're both in town like they should come Ooh. together I, so I just I just saw um, a cigarette studio session in my diary one day and I was like oh great um, so yeah that's kind of how it happened and then we were just 
hanging out that day and trying to write a song. And then we wrote Head on Fire. Sigrid, what was it like for you? Because, I mean, the past 18 to 24 months have just been mad and such, you know, we've literally been isolating and doing things on our own. So when you can come together and not only celebrate this song, but record a music video, not at home, on your iPhone, trying to get creative, but actually doing it with Griff and with a whole team around you. What was that like? Really nice. And I think, yeah, there's one thing these past two years have taught us is maybe to just, you know, take the opportunity when it comes. Um, This is the first collab I am doing. And I think, uh, yeah, it it was really good to just, I I don't know, just do it, you know? And um, yeah, I I think you, you just cherish every moment you get to be on stage. And like when we played Reading and Leeds Festival, that was sick to just like actually be on a stage. How does it when you are performing in front of your peers at awards ceremonies. Griff, you've done that a bit lately. Ugh. It literally <laughs> like makes me sick to my stomach. Because <laughs> that was my first taste of live because I, I was obviously like grew quite a lot in lockdown. And then my first big performance was Brit. And I remember like, I just feel sick, so sick in the lead up to it because I just knew who was in the audience. I knew like Dua Lipa was in the audience. I knew that, I don't know, Taylor would probably see me perform. And that mm. for me was like the worst thing ever. I think there's something nice about being at a festival and knowing that people are just enjoying it. But knowing that it's your peers, I feel like, um, yeah, it's a lot more daunting. Oh, Sigrid, it's always great to see you back at Other Voices. Tell me about that. Dingle, Dingle. It's my favourite place on earth. It was so much fun to be there. Um, we were there right before Christmas. Yeah, massive honour. Love Dingle. Ended up by a piano with sorry yeah Irish... Sigrid I saw Sigrid like a couple was it a couple of days after you did this and I had no Probably. idea what this was and I was like Sigrid why are you just like drunk on a piano in Ireland <laughs> so it was, it was like great. it was the best time ever I probably <laughs> couldn't stop talking about it but that's the great yeah. thing about Dingle isn't it and other voices you know it must be phenomenal to be able to play arenas and but there's got to be nothing like an intimate show like Dingle. It's true. And also everything that happens in Dingle after the show. <laughs> what happened in Dingle after <laughs> the show that you great. can tell us? We were in the piano playing all the hits back to back. <laughs> and no one was allowed oh. to like play their own stuff. It was all the hits. Um, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it was great. Beatles, Oasis, Robbie Williams. <laughs> so good. That's right. Yeah, Griff, you should, you should go to Dingle. Yeah, hopefully we will have you there soon, Griff, but we mm. are having you here at the Academy at the end of March. But before then, how are you feeling next week? You're kicking off your headline tour in Washington. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. I think it's like America's new territory and America is always like... As for a musician, it's this new beast that you've always got to conquer. And it's like when you're not from there, you've got to work a thousand times harder to be someone there. So um, I, I, th- I think I felt really encouraged that the tour sold out. So, yeah, now we've just got to go and have a good time. Secret, you're coming back to the Three Arena on yeah. the 18th of March. What are you looking forward to about that? I'm really, really excited to see everyone. The last time we played Three Arena is like one of my favourite moments in my life. And my family was there and for them to see everything that's happening outside of Norway was just incredibly exciting and Irish fans are the best. Just talking about it, I haven't been to a gig in a couple of years now and just thinking about being in that audience and having people come together for a Mm. couple of hours 
How do you mm. receive that emotion? Because that must be overwhelming as well. It's an insane feeling. And it, like, it's, it is my number one favorite thing about doing this is to play these shows. And my favorite thing about playing in Ireland is that often I don't feel like we are the one who actually run the show. And you can go up there and you have this like armor on you of like, ah, I'm going to impress people. And then you do that for like a couple of songs, but then you've warmed up the Irish audience and then they just go, that shit. <laughs> really crazy and take over the whole thing. And it's, it's amazing every time. So yeah, I can't wait to see how loud it's going to get for the next one. Well, I can't wait to be there and witness that. And Griff, I can't wait for you to experience that at the Academy. <laughs> I can't um, wait. I'm ready for it. We're ready to have you here too. I know you've only just released your your single, but is there plans to do more together? I think maybe. We never know. At the moment, like you said, we're trying to just enjoy this moment and really, yeah, yeah, just enjoy this collaboration. Um, but I'm sure we'll cross paths and, and keep writing and keep seeing each other and hanging out. You guys have got a very exciting 2022 ahead of you. Enjoy it all and cannot wait to see you both here in Ireland. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The Bellissimo Files. What did I miss? Joining me in studio now with things we may have missed this week is the birthday girl, Eva Plunkett. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Did you have a great birthday? I did. I didn't miss my birthday, which I actually thought (laughs) I did at one point during the week because I got the day wrong. But anyway. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. No, no, we need to go back a step. How do you get the day wrong? You mean the day, not the date? The day, the day. Yeah, yeah. I got halfway through Wednesday thinking, is it today? And it wasn't, it was Thursday. <laughs> and you were so disappointed with yourself, thinking, oh my gosh, I've missed it, I've missed it. But um, something that some people may have missed this week, yes. I know my WhatsApp group didn't. All my groups were on fire when this was announced. Yes, obviously everyone is quite excited after the announcement yesterday from Michal Martin that we have less restrictions as of right now, as of this morning. But... I'm really excited about our new bank holiday. I thought we weren't getting it till next year because they've yes. spoken about the fact that, you know, as of 2023, February 1, St. Bridget's Day is going to be the new public holiday. So I thought, we've missed it. Yeah, so they're going to give us a temporary bank holiday this year. And I think they've timed it really, really well. Yeah. Especially, obviously, March is when all of the pandemic kicked off. Um, we all had our Paddy's Day locked in in 2020. And they're going to give us the day after Paddy's Day, the 18th of March, as a bank holiday. And it actually, Paddy's Day falls a Thursday this year, I believe, which means that the Friday is a bank holiday and then you're into the weekend. So it's like a four-day weekend. It's amazing. So that means we have two four-day weekends, one in March and one in April for Easter. So exciting. I think that's, I have to say, I give them them props for that. It was really well-timed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) we're all happy about that. Someone else is really excited at the moment is Nicola Coughlin because during the week it was announced that Bridgerton is coming back. Bridgerton season two will be available on Netflix on the 25th of March, just after that bank holiday weekend. (laughs) And she put up a gorgeous post on her Instagram. Just walked into Times Square and I had no idea this was there. It is a massive, massive billboard of Bridgerton with her in the middle. She says, I am both the giant yellow woman and the very small woman below her. 10 out of 10 surprise. Could you imagine, Aoife, walking into Times Square, looking up and going, it must be so so surreal, so surreal. And I just love her. She seems to be so down to earth and takes everything like in a really lovely way that's happening for her. So, yeah. Yeah. Talking about TV. Yeah. Now, I have to say, Serena, I'm not great at getting into things like Bridgerton or anything that requires a lot of attention from me (laughs) recently. So I have been watching things like The Masked Singer. I am absolutely 
bat into it. <laughs> now, I feel like season one, everybody knew it was here. Yeah. Season two, I just accidentally stumbled upon it yes. and was disgusted that I didn't know it was back. Yeah, and I... I was last year I did get into towards the end but I was like committed this year I'm sitting down me and my roommate are making like a list of our guesses we're very very into it <laughs> and there's one I think I have it cracked okay so Robo Bunny have a listen to this That is, firstly, I love that song. Secondly, yeah. the voice. Thirdly, the best costume in the show, I think. It is a robot with a little bunny inside it and the bunny's mouth moves when they sing. It's incredible. But I think hearing that song last week, I finally cracked who it is. Serena, you know I'm a massive Westlife fan. I have been since I was a child. And I am convinced that is Marcus Feely from Westlife. Really? Have a listen, right? Now that you have that in your head, okay. have a listen to this clip and tell me it doesn't sound like Mark from Westlife. Okay, now that you said it. Do you so, hear it? Yeah, that's Marcus. It has to be. Yeah. has to be. I'm not as set on anybody else yet. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea who any of the others are, but I am convinced that is Marcus Feely. And you can all prove me wrong if I, if I am wrong. Yeah, and you will get hooked. Like, yeah. once you get back into it, you will get hooked. The UK version is just really, really good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The I'd love to know if anyone has any other guesses. If you've been watching the show, if you think I'm totally wrong, do you think Robo Bunny <laughs> is anyone else? Is there any other characters that you're convinced you know who it is? Please let me know because I want your guesses. <laughs> yeah, 87 1038 You can WhatsApp us. Aoife and I were saying they're trying to convince us that one of them is Zendaya. Yeah. There is no way Zendaya is going to do the mass singing. It's um, Rock Hopper, I think. Yeah. They keep giving clues to like a circus that leads to the greatest showman, but I don't think it's her. Yeah, no. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. You're listening to the Bellissimo Files on spin. Now, ever since its release, Spider Man No Way Home was at the top of the US box office. Well, that all changed last week when Scream was released. That knocked Spider Man No Way Home from the top. And it is now number one at the US box office. And the great thing is, you know, when remakes come out, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be really bad. All the reviews I've heard so far, yeah, because I haven't gone anywhere near it. You know I'm a wuss and I won't intentionally scare myself, but everyone who is a Scream fan and even people who aren't but are just into horrors have said that this film is fantastic. Two of the newcomers in this film are Mason Goody and Jasmine Savoy-Brown. They play siblings Chad and Mindy Meeks-Martin. I got to catch up with them to find out all about the film. Jasmine, Mason, great to meet you. Congratulations on being a part of the film. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. Lovely to meet you, Serena. Mason, is it true that when you were in college, you wrote an essay about Scream? That is a true yeah, thing. And I, I didn't... <laughs> it's when I wrote a paper, I didn't necessarily think I'd have to answer for it, what, five years later? <laughs> so my uh, cramming has effectively wow. became the most... 
talk about a talkable point in my uh, career. What did but, what did it say? What was the topic? Well, this well the prompt or the topic because my topic was how Scream was the one franchise in media that maybe was right for revival in this current uh, what time? Yeah, it was. You manifested a, this. A genuinely wow. given the context, and I think I did pretty good. I think I got an A minus, if I remember. It was it was like recited. I know you haven't memorized. Uh, in his current climate, of, no, I don't. <laughs> Jasmine, I love that the filmmakers have spoken about the fact that, you know, they wanted the cast to help shape the characters. How did you help shape Mindy? Well, Mindy is a queer woman of color, as am I. And so, first of all, that's just a huge honor to get to bring her to life in this franchise. I brought myself to it by providing my feedback and offering to collaborate on certain scenes and saying, I think this should be added. I think this should be taken away. Little things. There was nothing uh, offensive or problematic in the original draft. It was just additions to make it feel even more lived in and more true to me. Jasmine's also so naturally just very cool and genuine and hilarious that in every scene, any opportunity to inject herself in this just does wonders for the film itself. Let's talk about seeing Ghostface because it's scary enough seeing Ghostface on screen. Mm -hmm. But when you, can you tell me about your reaction the first time you saw Ghostface in person? Yeah, like at a fitting or at the crafty table or something, you know, Ghostface shows up and, oh, it's just spooky. It's just this (laughs) feeling of, I'd rather not be near you. It's it's funny, the guy who is in... The ghost face uh, get up. Yes. Um, while hanging around, obviously, there's like a few pieces to it. It's not what you would think, which is just like a hood and yeah. a mask. There's like certain things to keep certain things in place. And it's funny because you'll be crafty. And obviously, at this time, you'll have you have to like stay a certain distance. Mm-hmm. And just like six feet Ooh. away from the table will be right behind you. Ghost six face. feet behind and you. They'll just be Perfect. hanging out. And um Obviously, in the first couple of days, because we'll all go for screen tests and whatnot, and he'll be there, and he'll be in the costume and whatnot. It's imposing. Mason Gooding and Jasmine Savoy Brown talking about Scream there. It is out in cinemas now. This is a new music spotlight. On the Bellissimo Files. On the Bellissimo Files. Producer Aoife is back in studio with me. And Aoife, this week's a very good week. We have... Lots of upbeat music that I think is going to get. It's going to reflect everybody's mood right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, go on, give it to us. First, we're going to start with a new one from Charlie Puth. It is called Light Switch and it is really good. I think you're going to enjoy. You turn me on like a light switch When you're moving your body around and around Now I don't want to fight this You know how to just make it be You turn me The one thing I will say about it is I think it's an earworm. I think it's one of those tracks that will end up stuck in your head forever. It's very, very catchy. Yep. Um, like, 
it's very Charlie Puth, but also has a little bit of newness to it, which I really like. Um, yeah, I really like that one. And we potentially have him on the show next week, yes. which is very exciting. Yeah, can't wait. And can't wait to be talking to him about that because it feels like forever since he released something. Yeah, it does. But that, I think this is going to be, he has an album coming out at the end of the year following on from his huge success one in 2018. Um, so 2018 really, was the last time he released an album. Yes. So I'm really excited to see what new stuff he has. And of course, everyone's sound develops when they move on to the second album. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what Charlie Pute is going to be bringing us this year. I am so excited about this new one from someone who we have been waiting for a lifetime to release new music. <laughs> it is from John Newman, the big voice, and it's called Waiting for a Lifetime. I've been waiting for a lifetime from you. I really like that, but I'm racking my brain. What does it sound like? It's it definitely has that kind of dance music y um poppy sound that we hear a lot on spin that we all love here. Yeah. Uh, John was known for kind of big power ballads more so beforehand he's really gone back to his dance roots which I didn't even know he had so I'm loving yeah. that but I know who it sounds like and it's actually the person we're going to be playing next <laughs> I think it really sounds like Sagala actually you're right it has that type of Sagala yeah. poppy dancey I wouldn't have been surprised if you said that that was a collaboration between the two of them yeah so anyway here's the new one from Sagala <laughs> it's called Melody <laughs> So I just close my eyes and I can see that at a massive pool party. Yes. So I think of every music fix so far this year, I have said, I can't wait to hear this song on a festival. And nobody does big gigs and festivals like Sagala. I hope we're going to see a big summer of gigs from him and hopefully he'll come here as well and bring, I think it's Sagala Land is the yeah. name of his tour. Hopefully yeah. he'll bring a hero over the summer too. Uh, something that you look forward to every week. Yes. Is this, Aoife? This week you've brought us something that you really, really, really do love. I feel like this was a birthday gift to me personally from Calvin Harris. It was. It was. He found out that the 20th of January was your birthday and he went, here you go, Aoife. I am obsessed with Calvin Harris's other project, Love Regenerator, and he's just brought out a new track with Reva Star and uh, a few other people are collaborating on it. It is called Lonely and I absolutely love this. Can you imagine dancing to this tonight on the dance floor? 
This oh. is going to go off. Wednesday, when we're actually allowed to go to the dance floor. Oh, in sorry, are they not open today? <laughs> the nightclubs are open on Wednesday. They have I to take get their that late back. licenses back. Okay, I take that back. <laughs> on Wednesday, can you imagine? Next weekend, yeah. dancing to this. Yes, I know. I am so excited. As I said, I've been saying it all January. I can't wait to get back out on a dance floor here this somewhere. And I'm hoping... Now, with the news today, that means that's going to happen very soon. Yeah, cannot wait. Um, something else you're very happy about. That's not the single of the week. I but know, but it's still a dance track yeah. again. This is the new one from John Newman. It is called Waiting for a Lifetime, voted for by you on the Bellissimo Files. You voted that your Bellissimo Files single of the week and it is so good to see him back. That's a new one from John Newman waiting for a lifetime here on Spin. Don't forget as well if you want to catch more new music head over to the Spin website or uh, app. You can get our Fresh Hits playlist there with all of the latest new music. And if you missed anything from today's show, you know, that is also up on our website. All the videos are there. There were chats with the Scream cast, with the cast of Belfast. Who else do we have? Too Hot to Handle. Yep. Yeah, and there was one. Oh, Sigrid and Griff. Casually. (laughs) (laughs) They are all up there as videos now. Spin1038.com. Up next on Spin, it's Neve Necronan with Pup Radio. Eva and I will be back next week with... Charlie Puth. Cannot wait. See you then. Enjoy your weekend. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin.